Hi everyone, welcome back. It's another episode of Outside the Huddle for you. It's our wildcard preview episode and it's Andy and James and we're back alongside Lee Wakefield for another episode. Are we all right, fellas? Yeah. Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. Now that I've talked about the Chargers, so yeah, good. <laughs> You're doing a good job of that, mate. <laughs> yeah, too, like I said, like I said, last episode, you guys, you did, uh, you did me some nice questions, so I wasn't so- too hard. Right, so what about that call on a uh, fourth down? <laughs> 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 no, nah, we won't do that to you. It's fine. Yeah, he covered that. He got he got a grilling off Jordan, didn't he? Oh, on, didn't on he? Twitter Jordan about had him. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to that though, Lee. <laughs> do you just talking widely though? Just I know we was I mean we've gone well off track already, but just talking widely in the NFL, do you feel like I charge is a good example? I, I know you can live and die by being aggressive, and I do think the way the game's going you should be aggressive there's, you know, there's a lot of times where punting doesn't always work out for you so mm. I don't mind some of it but do you feel like there is a point where people need to understand that there is times to be aggressive yes. good times to be aggressive and times where you just go no actually just take our poison kick the ball like for me that charges one you know it, it, on the surface when you're on the outside looking in it just seems outrageous to me like it didn't feel like it was necessary now I know Staley has come out and said that he just went to kick fart start uh, the the offense into doing mm. something. So sometimes you do need to take a risk, but inside your own twenty yards does feel like that's when it goes a bit too far. Just the, generalizing it. Yeah, the, the, I think there has got to be a bit of a scaling back of the aggressiveness in in Staley's case, and I'll speak about the wider league in a second. Um, because, like we said, we we have lived and died by it. I do think it's been a net positive. Um, he's done. He's done it within his own half and the whole the own twenty five before as well. He's got away with it. Well, not got away with it. That makes it sound like it's not yeah. a play, but he, he, it's come out positively. Um, so, but you can't obviously treat everyone exactly the same. But yeah, I think there has got to be a scaling back. Like I said last time, he's a first year head coach, as we know, I think he's just got to take his lumps and learn from it and just say, well, maybe I need to, like I say, be a bit less aggressive next year. I still think he'll be like that because coming onto the wider league. Maybe it's just because the teams who the Chargers play know that the Chargers will do it. But I've noticed the opponents of the Chargers going for it more on fourth down themselves, even when I wouldn't imagine that they would normally. Normally, yeah, because Fangio was one when we played the Broncos a couple of weeks ago, where he went for it a couple of times. I thought, mm, defensive head coach, probably a bit more conservative. Yeah, don't imagine Vic Fangio to be a massive advocate of going for it on fourth down, but he did a couple of times. And that's with like Locker or Bridgewater, whoever they had to back, or even Brett Ripken uh, at that stage. And obviously we've got Herbert, so you can kind of just fight a bit more. But, you know, it, it does show trust in the offence. And, you know, you know, it's one of those things where, and this is my big gripe against the the whole kind of game against the Raiders, is execution. If you go out and execute it, it works, then you look great, don't you? But you obviously yeah. get the traditionalists, the people with a bit more conservative mindset who will always, 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 no matter if it's Staley or matter if it's someone else, they'll always say, well, this isn't how football's supposed to be played. You know, it's obviously too risky. And when it does blow in your face, you get one side of the argument saying one thing and one side when it's positive. But like I said, I think it's a net positive And I think it will kind of go that way because I think with analytics becoming a bit more of a bigger thing and it's only going to go one way, isn't it? So I think you'll see more teams doing it unless, as we're going to come and talk about coaching hires in a mo. Unless you get loads of people hiring old fogies. Um, but the more college coaches, the more young coaches, the more coordinators, I think your especially offensive coordinators being hired as head coaches, I think you'll see this more and more. And I, I think that's a fair point you put as well, because fans are very quick to forget the seven or eight times you went for it and risked it and got it. For then the one or two times when it goes wrong, it's like, oh, I can't believe we did that. That's a terrible call. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you didn't mind it when you was four, four for okay. free. And... It's only a problem until it's a problem. Yeah. I suppose that's the nature of the fan, isn't it, really? Yeah, we're all fickle, aren't we? Especially when you're British. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, Andy. No. As per the schedule. <laughs> no, I, that, that's exactly where we're going. Um, I was just thinking about conservative coaches and how you know, Mike Zimmer was there for eight years and it took him seven years before he was willing to risk going for it on fourth and one. So, um, you know, he'd punt that bad boy all day long. So... He's one of them that's gone. So Monday was quite quite the day, wasn't it? We had Zimmer, Nagy, uh, Flores, Vic Fangio all shown the door. Um, I mean, we start with Nagy because I think that was the most anticipated uh, overdue as well. So yeah. things can only get better, unfortunately, for the Bears. Yeah, it's not what you want, Ad, is it? Really, no. Another five years of Nagy, you'd take it. It's, it's, it's hard with some of these firings because it does feel like 
you get you get there's so much hatred towards some of these head coaches and they've done a lot of work to get there and, and let's face it his first year everyone was like oh Nagy coached the year and he's going to be leading the Bears to great success so it is hard because it doesn't take a lot for it to start going the wrong way um, but yeah it felt like that should have probably happened last year and it would have been a bit harsh if it had gone last year but it felt like it was a year too late so I'm kind of pleased with Justin Fields being there and it just it was so stale that offense became so stale and boring to watch and it's it wasn't working so it's onwards and upwards they've had a good defense for a few years now whether they can keep that going for another couple i don't know but fresh start and yeah i think that division needs it i mean we're going to touch on the vikings in a minute but the lions are one year ahead of all you guys because they've got their new head coach well as long as they're happy with dan campbell and it all works out going forward they've got the new head coach they've they've got some young players they've, they've got a lot more rebuilding to do but they're already on that ladder you've got the bears that have been held back really in some form by Nagy or the situation in the last two years, their draft situation. And the Vikings, you know, have been very, fairly solid, but haven't been enough. And it just feels like the Packers have had it too easy. So it would be nice to see a shake up. And if that means the Bears in a couple of years start contending will be something. And if the Vikings can do the same, then that division will be it'll be the Packers that'll be looking over the shoulder going, right, now we might have to Aaron Rodgers has gone or, you know, our team's getting older. Now it's our turn to do the rebuild. You guys will all be at the top, hopefully, if it all plans out. So, yeah. good time for the Bears, I think. I think going back to what you said about the offence, like the defence is generally fairly okay. Um, but offensively, that's obviously what Matt Nagy was brought yeah. in for. Obviously, he came from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be this, you know, have good offence vacuum and... and that coupled with like like you say Ryan Pace just being an absolutely abysmal GM and that <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky trade just just did for them didn't they you know they drafted a QB a year too late Justin Fields wasn't as great as he maybe could have been in some respects but wasn't helped out by other aspects of the team and then like you say when you've got like a stale head coach who everyone knows is a dead man walking it's probably not conducive to a great season yeah. and. Yeah, he's now gone and you know, he'll probably rebuild himself as an offensive coordinator somewhere else and maybe get another job. But yeah, it just didn't work out from for the reasons why they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio was another one who got his marching orders. Was that a bit more of a surprise? Did you think they would maybe get another year out of him at least? I think with the defensive side, once again it's their stronger element or whether it should be or not, I don't know, but it's been solid or okay in the last few years. And obviously Fangio comes to that background. He's a defensive minded head coach. So he's done a decent enough job on that side, but the offense has been a laughing stock. It's he's got the weapons and it just feels like they fall short. You know, Drew Locke wasn't the answer. And it's not just, this isn't just Fangio. This goes back to the GM. This goes back to the ownership. And I think to be fair, I didn't really know much about the Broncos situation with their owner, but I was listening to uh, around the NFL earlier. And they were saying that, I don't know what I don't know what the actual background of it is, but they're basically saying that the owner won't be the owner soon. Um, it's going to be forced upon him or something. Just, so it's so much uncertainty above. So if, given what I've heard about that now, I'm surprised they maybe didn't say, "Well, I'll just let Fangio just do another year, and we might be in a better place this time next year." But realistically, if the Broncos want to start going forward, it felt like it probably was the right time. Fangio, we just touched on younger coaching, the more aggressive nature. Fangio does not tick those boxes at all. He's too. Let's punt it. He doesn't do like you, when you said he did those two fourth downs. Like I, I generally was thinking, did they tie him up on the sideline and gag him or something? Because <laughs> that is the complete opposite to what he would normally do. So, I mean, he's he's, he's likable. He's done a he's done an okay job there. But with the weapons they've got, they've not that offense has not progressed, and it's and it's been because of the quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the answer really. Drew Locke is well, we definitely can say is not the answer now, and he wasn't really going into this year. So. For me, they needed to resolve that. If they resolved that, they might have been in the playoffs now and his job might have been safe. So, unfortunately, that falls on his shoulders and he's gone. I think it's probably better for the Broncos that he's gone and they start fresh. But I can't get over the what's above. What is going on above them? Because the quarterback situation, the drafting of quarterbacks has been horrendous. Since Peyton Manning, they've just not found it. And it's not. we're not talking two years now. We're talking multiple years and even Peyton Manning's last year to a certain extent. So, it needs to change. So, it'll be interesting. I think at the, I think from the outset of the question, I think it felt a little less fair than Nagy's because, like you said, the QB situation has been pretty horrible. Like, you know, the, the GM can't draft a QB. Um, they've they've swung and they've missed so many times over the past few years. 
it's difficult. And then you, you get in a defensive head coach and defense is pretty decent, but the offense can't run because they don't have the quarterback to play it. But at the end of the day, like moving on to the next hire and maybe the decision that went into this with Fangio, right? You've got to kind of play and build everything to win the division. And in that division, you've got Andy Reid, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Staley, you've got Herbert, and you've got the Raiders, who we kind of talked up last episode. I'm not going to continue to talk them up. We're done with that episode now. And you've got the Broncos there, who are looking pretty stale, you know, maybe a quarterback away. The roster's pretty decent, but again, they've had a couple of swings and misses at other positions as well. Like Jerry Judy, for example, hasn't worked out exactly how they wanted him to. So... At the end of the day, if you come back with Fangio next year and maybe another quarterback, maybe you swing them, you know, through a big trade or something like that, are they going to be able to win the division? Probably not. So you've got to go and get a head coach who you think maybe can build something and can win the division and unseat Andy Reid. And like we've talked about the Chargers and things like that, obviously the Raiders are ahead of them. They're starting from the bottom, although they're a decent team. But can they win the division? Probably not. So you've got to go out and get someone who can. The we had a we had an excellent Denver. Uh, based guest on the show in the off season, um, Zach Stevens, and I was just checking out where he was at with it. Um, they have their own podcast, great channel, and the guys on there are all favouring Dan Quinn at the minute. Uh, that seems to be the the, the noise. I'm, I'm for that as a Chargers fan because I'm not too worried <laughs> about that. If I'm honest, uh, th- th- this is hard because I mean we've got Todd Bowles obviously in the box, and I've seen him get a lot of interviews, and given some of the head coaching jobs that have gone out there. I don't know how he hasn't got one. Based off the two years with the Bucks previously, maybe not so much this year, but going into the Super Bowl last year, he was being linked with three or four jobs and he never got them. And you, you, it's hard because you're like, I can't blame him on one hand because yes, the Jets, he did well the first year of the Jets because they had, you know, they shouldn't have been making the playoffs that year um, with the Fitzpatrick year. But then obviously the next two years it was all down and it was just an average performance and it's like, okay, why would you rehire that? Is that the future? And I feel like Dan Quinn is that guy. He had his moment. He, he was with the Falcons. He did a great job with the Seahawks, obviously. Deserved the opportunity. Did well there for that one year. And then it was just a terrible... It was on the defensive side, but it was an absolute mess. And it's just like he's done a great... He has done a fairly good job with that Cowboys defense because I know they've got a few playmakers, but they've, they've just been poor for so long. So he, he has kind of rebuilt himself. But I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be racing after him. It's, it's like changing one defensive-minded head coach for another, really. I just feel like it's not the step forward. It's like with, with some coaches, right? They're just not head coaches. They're good coordinators. Fangio, I think, falls into that. Maybe yeah. Dan Quinn's the same. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that, I think. Um, we'll do Zimmer next because it kind of ties in with what you were saying, James, about how aggressive a lot of it can be. Um, and that's uh, certainly not where where I come come from with this. I mean, I know I joke about it and I pull stupid things, but in reality, you, you just can't be like that. And I've seen some really, really uh, unnecessary and uncalled for posts about his tenure, um, which is just, just terrible. Nothing but respect for the bloke. He's, you know, he's given everything. We talked a while ago on this pod about how there was starting to be news coming out that... It was having a, it was having an effect on him more than it should have been. His, his mental health was taking a, a, a beating. Physical health has not been <clears throat> has not been great. Obviously, he had the problem with his eye. Uh, he was told to rest up during that period. He wouldn't, um, and, he, and he really put himself through it for the team. So you can't you can't help but respect him for that. Um, but it was the right time. It was the right time to go. Uh, it's unfortunate that. After he's gone, there seems to be talk coming out of the camp that things were really not good behind the scenes, that he wasn't a particularly good presence to have around, particularly with the younger players, which is, is disappointing. Uh, and, and it, you know, you can you can kind of see that how that was happening because we know he said some pretty unnecessary things about Kellen Mond and not the first time that he's thrown younger members of the squad under, under a bus, so... It's definitely for, for various reasons <clears throat> the right thing to do. Um a surprise that Spielman went as well, if I'm honest. I mean, I know GMs don't always get a third coach to work with, but Rick was very, very well liked by most uh 
rarely heard anyone say anything bad about him, so seems to be just cleaning house on this occasion. Can I ask you a question, Andy, about mm. Zimmer? Mm. Do you think he cared enough about the offence? It's <sighs> probably not. Um, and I know that sounds strange to say for a head coach, but I, I just don't know his... All he's ever known as is a defensive uh, coordinator and a defensive-minded head coach. I heard today, I was listening to, to one of the regular podcasts I listened to, and, and they were saying that um, the reason Clint Kubiak got the OC job this time around was because he was someone who wouldn't stand up to Zimmer. He was someone Zimmer could just tell, this is what we're doing. So really... You're, you're an offensive coordinator in position, but I'll be making the overall calls. Again, if that's the case, you can't go anywhere like that. So if it was a power trip, there's another reason to get rid of him. So offensively, it wasn't working. He wasn't bold enough when he needed to be. It was very, very, you know, people got sick of the run, run, pass, run, run, pass. That's all it was for years and years. And he, he's wasted not just him, hopefully, but he has to carry the can for it. He's wasted, you know, some real top-level talent doing that. Um, so, and this is why, whether it's right or wrong, this is why a lot of Vikings fans now have got this thing in their head about we want an offensive-minded coach because they've had years of just having to swallow that. So, I don't it's know. Fair. I don't I, know who that is. <laughs> I think I think it's time for, like I say... I think for the Vikings, you always want to go the opposite. It feels like everyone always wants to go the opposite to what they had. And I think it is time for a younger influence who has the offensive side. Because it is, if you want to be a bit of aggressive, be aggressive in a new direction, you do need the younger element and usually an offensive coordinator or an offensive minded guy. So I do think that is the way you need to go. The things with people like Zero is there's, there's, a, there's a level of stubbornness. And it's hard as a coach when you're, let's face it, it worked. The first few years, especially, it worked really well. You was in the playoffs, you should have been. He, you know, knocking on the door and he was there thereabouts and it's hard for when you've got something that works so then two years later maybe to look at it and go that doesn't work anymore or some of it does but some of it doesn't I just don't think Zimmer was the type of guy go no no this does work and this is how we're going to do it mm-hmm. and I think if that's true how he was treating the offensive coordinator because I can believe it's true having seen some defensive like minded head coaches where they go right we're just going to not turn the ball over if, they, if you do that the defense will keep it pretty tight we'll nick a game that's the old way of doing it. And the new way is, how do you beat the Chiefs? You be aggressive on defence, but you're also aggressive on offence. You go for it on fourth downs. You go for the touchdowns. You don't go for the field goals. And Zimmer would never live up to that. And that's mm. that's why it was time. And he's done a great job for you guys. He's been one of your best, or one of your better head coaches yeah. over your franchise. And it's sad to see it happen. Like last year, I was definitely defending him. But this year, it's just, it's just, it's just got to that point. You can tell there's the way him and Kirk interacted a couple of times i mean the kirk's unvaccinated for god's sake there he is like having a pushing him banging him on the drum and like you know <laughs> so yeah i don't know it, it was time and the only thing i'm a bit confused at it didn't they just extend kirk cousin not yet uh it's it's mm. it's in the pipeline if they can work it um if they can work out the numbers i think it's a decision that most people are kind of saying maybe we should just do it because if you look at the I saw somebody post the list of quarterbacks who were, who were going to be available from a free agency point of view, and it is terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, maybe not. And then, and of course, the draft class is not great either. So no, what do you, you extend Kirk Cousins or you just chuck him out and go, well, let's see if Kellen Mond is any good. It just depends on your next coach. I feel like they need to wait for your next coach because if he comes in and goes, well, we've got a lot of senior players here and there's a lot of, you know, you've had issues with your injuries. There's a lot of contracts coming up. It might be time to actually have a bit of a burn down like, and just start again. But to do that, I feel like Kirk needs to go get what you can get for him and then you have to have a year down to then start rebuilding and do that. But the thing is, you keep Kirk and you've got a, enough solid players, then why should you get rid of Kirk? You're right. This year is outside if if Rogers is available and if Wilson's available. At the moment, they're not at the end of the day. It isn't a very good free agency. And yeah, the draft is as bad as it's probably been for a few years. With with the Kirk Cousins thing, Andy, is he still on like that fully guaranteed contract? Yeah, I think that I've so read... Yeah, go so on. would extending him give you more cap space because it'd be less guarantees? 
I think so. I think so. I, I'd read... Is that the thinking behind it, is what I'm thinking? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still a staggering amount of money. And I don't... I'm not going to... I'm not one of these people who just bashes him and says, oh, he's not worth it. Because he. that's what the contract he signed up to. And it was it was the, the franchise who gave him it. So, um, but yeah, that, I think that's what they're looking at now. Um, there was problems between him and Zimmer, definitely. Cousins has always been very professional about it. So I think... The, the whole school of thought now is we've we've removed him from the situation. He never wanted Cousins. That's become quite apparent. He, he didn't want him. He told Spielman he didn't want him. Um, I don't know what he did want. No one quite knows that. So I think they're just thinking, right, we've got rid of him. Let's have another go with the pieces that are left. Um, let's see. We shall see. Interesting times. It is, mate. Um, this is the one I really want to hear about, though. Brian Flores, turfed out of Miami. Quite shockingly, a lot of people didn't see it coming. It was the biggest biggest one of these stories. Which I know you're both chomping at the bit to talk about this, so who's going to go first? I, well, like I, I should go first, because then I'll just, like I said, I'll get egg on my face by the end of it. So. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> so first of all, I'll ask a question. Was you surprised? Initially, yes, I was. Yeah. Okay, so I know you know more, so that's that's not fair. But yeah, same as same as like when I saw it, I was like, really? Um, I think I think for, the thing for me is I haven't watched Dolphins week in week out. I'm not a Dolphins fan, so you know, they I do respect what their their opinions are much more than what I can on the outside because you know if the fans know more than if you're not watching all the games, you're not involved. You can't really have a strong strong opinion, but. The reason why I'm more shocked about it is after week four or five, I was starting to question some of his decisions, some of the time timeouts he was taking. Like obviously when he was in London, the London game, it all shot him in the foot. And some of the play calling was a bit strange. So I, I had my worries early on. And obviously when they went and had that terrible start, it was looking not very good for him. But the problem is like, I've seen a lot of Dolphins fans and just general people coming out going, you know, it, it was time. He had some terrible play call. He wasn't, I'm not even that convinced he was that good. But this time last year, I was seeing so much of, he was robbed. He was the coach of the year. He did an incredible, which he did. And he absolutely did. I mean, we, we've said it on the podcast. It felt like he, they overachieved last year. It was even with the overachieving, the defense was incredible. And he did an amazing job. It did feel like they overachieved. So this year was always going to be difficult to replicate. And I'm pretty sure if someone said to Dolphins fans two years ago, you're going to go 10 and 7, and then you're going to, or you're going to have a 10 and 7 and a 9 8 record in the next two years, they'd have gone, that's pretty good. Considering from where we was at, and there was a rebuild still going on, you'd have absolutely took it. And they're really unfortunate that those two years, they haven't got to the playoffs. You've got the Steelers who have got in the back door, who I would actually probably go as far as saying are worse than the Dolphins, where they're at now. And then you've got the 10 and 7 team last year, but they were kind of robbed to playoff. Like, they just, by the end of the season, I felt they deserved it. If they was in the NFC, they're probably in both years. So the thing is, this is the fine line you walk in the NFL. But that, to me, sounds, sounds like there's not major issues. Like on the surface, just when you're looking from afar before we get to Lee, like, it, you know, there's two winning seasons. The Dolphins have had one winning season before him in 11 years. You go and get a coach who comes in, rebuilds the franchise, 10 and 7, 9 and 8. I just feel like, how does that relate to losing your job? Now, I don't know anything else before that, but... I, it's just crazy. Like, we're looking at the Giants right now. Joe Judge. Now, once again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe he has done a miraculous job. Joe Judge is sitting there saying that he came into this franchise and it was a complete mess. And there's no denying it. It seemed on the outside that that was a complete mess. He reckons he's turned it all around behind the scenes. It's a really good culture now. Now, if he's done that, that's great. That's part of the job and he's done a great, brilliant job. But when the product on the field has not improved, and if anything, it's gone massively backwards from the end of last year, and it looks like they've got no direction to the point that I would say I have more faith in the Jags right now. How does Joe Judge still sit there with another opportunity next year? Which I know that doesn't come into it. If you want to get rid of someone because you don't think it's the right guy, that's fair. But, you know, Brian Flores has done, I think, a very good job on record-wise and what I've seen product-wise in the most part. He's had Tua, who is a quarterback, but unfortunately was dealing with injuries before he was drafted. Obviously, he's involved with picking Tua, so he can't just get out of that. But let's face it, a lot of that would have been also above him. But they took him, and he's he's had mixed results, but he's also been injured a lot, so you've had backups. So the thing is, everyone's very quick to say when they was 1-7, well, you know, we've lost two, we've had injuries. 
But now it goes nine and eight. They're going, well, he's done some terrible play calling. He's done this, done that. And it's like he's done nine and eight. He beat a bunch of nobodies. I give him that. I was saying that. But you still did it and you got back to nine and eight. It could have ended up not winning another game the rest of the season. We've seen it. The Giants have gone downhill. Like so many teams have not responded, but they did. And whether there is issues or not, he managed to get that team to somehow bounce back and, and perform. They've played fairly well over the last several weeks. And to win, they beat the Patriots again. He's 3-0 against Bill Belichick. I mean, the problem is I'm sitting here now thinking, I can see the Dolphins doing this. Maybe they're, Lee's going to give us a little bit of insight in a minute, which might make much more sense. And if some of that is true, then I get it. For me, I feel like this is mainly because he didn't really care for the Deshaun Watson trade. I don't think he really wants anything to do with it, and rightfully so. But the owner is all in on it. He's not all in on Tua. He wasn't before the season. And even after all the stuff that's come out about Watson, he was still interested. I think, I think to be fair, it seemed like Flores was okay with the whole Tua situation. He was willing to give him a chance. He wasn't going to just throw him under the bus, and he didn't want Watson. And I feel like because it went the way it did, the owner had a way out. That's how it feels like to me. And if, it was, if the Watson thing wasn't happening, then I think this wouldn't have been the case. And I also think going 9-8 and eight with the whole Watson thing hanging over that franchise by that joke of an ownership has not helped him and that team and Tua. Like, the people keep going, oh, you know, Tua has had it really rough, and he has. But it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's not Flores' fault that that's happened. He's had to deal with all these questions, all the, like, you're not going to be the franchise quarterback. And that's because the owners came out and basically didn't deny that they wanted Watson. And it's been kind of proven behind the scenes that there's been interest. So for me, the problem lies with the ownership again. And the, the, the Dolphins are a joke organisation. Like I, <laughs> I, I generally like them. I want them to do well. If two years ago, I said, I want Flores to do well. I want them to actually, because, you know, Miami, it, it deserves to have some success. Like, every team deserves success. But the way that's run and the way the organisation is, and what came out of Watson's, I've already lost all respect for him. But I feel like to lose Flores now after going back to getting it back to 9-8, and eight, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm... I'm actually pretty pissed off about it. I'm, <laughs> I don't really care that much about the Dolphins, but I just felt like Flores was actually doing all right. I feel like he deserved another year at the very least, and I feel like it's politics is why he's gone. But I'll hand it over to Lee because I, he has mentioned a couple of things, which if that's the case, I get it. I do understand it a little bit more, and I do believe some Dolphins fans also have mentioned it. Yeah, so I've um, obviously not a Dolphins fan either, but I do have a good few friends who are Dolphins fans in a few different places. And I've been given a bit of information. I won't disclose too much, but you know, surface level kind of stuff that basically just paints a picture that the Dolphins franchise behind the scenes is like a picture of dysfunction. You know, taking it back, um, couple, you know, to before when Tua arrived, you know, three years ago. In in three seasons, the Dolphins have had four offensive coordinators and four line coaches. Okay, and then you come and you got a franchise that then becomes obsessed. With Tua, we all knew Tua was being drafted by the Dolphins, no matter what, right? It was tanked for Tua. Everyone was saying it. Why would you then have four offensive coordinators in three years? I know Tua's not been there for that whole time, but you're not exactly giving your quarterback a, a sound footing to begin on, are you? The offensive line has been the problem. You've got Chris Greer, who obviously cannot evaluate offensive line talent, and they have four coaches in that same period again. And again, you know, it's not the same for Tua all the time, but. Then you've got Brian Flores himself, who, by all accounts, I've heard this from a couple of people, about 50% of the locker room absolutely hates him. And about 50% of the locker room absolutely loves him. So you've got a rift being caused by the head coach between 50% of the players. And certain players, I won't name names, but certain players have said that they would not re-sign for the Dolphins, who are free agents for the Dolphins. And they said that they will not re-sign if Brian Flores is the coach. So you're going to lose players from that. They've already lost players from Brian Flores. Kyle Van Noy wouldn't re-sign. They kind of ran him out of town. Minka Fitzpatrick was traded to the Steelers and has played really well since. And then obviously you've got the Xavier Howard thing that nearly happened as well, although it didn't in the end. So you've got star players falling out of him every turn. Players saying they won't re-sign for him. So you're kind of thinking at this point, you know, you talk about cancer in the locker room is obviously the big phrase that people use about players. If that's the head coach, then there's only one thing to do. And I mean, it goes it goes back to even like further than that. You know, there's players that 
just bizarre decisions when you were talking about game time decisions, James. But there was obviously the decision when they brought in Josh Rosen in his first year and just played Fitzpatrick anyway and didn't even give him a run out. I mean, obviously, they were obsessed with Tour at this point, so it didn't really matter too much. This season, you've got draft picks, high draft picks like Hunter Long, third round pick, inactive the whole season. Well, why did you draft him then? You know, I know they've got Gasicki, who's a good tight end and things like that, but you know, why, why would you do that? Why'd you do that to these players? They're obviously. Realizing their dreams playing the NFL, you get drafted to a place and and then you're just not going to play. And it's it's weird because a third round pick isn't exactly a throwaway piece of draft capital. So I think it all boils down to the dysfunction behind the scenes and just them choosing the players over the head coach, really. Because that's that's what I've heard from a couple of a couple of people who I, I think are in, in the know at least a, a good bit. Um, you know, and saying that they've they've kind of made that decision because well, they would have lost players to begin with and, you know, how, how much is it going to get better because you've now got three-year sample size of him kind of pissing off a lot of good players and then leaving. So how are you going to make a good team if the guy can't communicate with players and can't treat them well enough that, um, you know, they, they they kind of want to stay? And by all accounts, the kind of cherry on top was a couple of weeks ago where he had a pretty big bust-up with Tua in the practice and Tua basically told him to fuck off and turn around and just said that in front of him. So you kind of lost a lot of respect there from the, the starting quarterback. And again, can that be rebuilt? So like I said, it's third-hand information. It's not from from myself. I'm definitely not in the know, especially with things like Dolphins and well, the Dolphins. I definitely don't know about Dolphins either. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, where I'm getting this information from is, is people that I kind of think would you know, not, they've got no reason to say otherwise and, and they would be relatively well connected, I'd say. Well, 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 well. There you go. So, no, I don't want Brian Flores at the bike. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to send that sound bite to uh, the Wilfs. I'm sure they don't hire um, Wow. Yeah, all changed. So, let's see Let's see what comes over the next few weeks. He'll certainly, I think he'll certainly get another job. I yeah, think he'll yeah, go yeah. back to being you know, a good, good defensive coordinator, as I kind of just said before, and he'll probably get another another shot somewhere, but probably needs to work on his communication skills by the sound of things and the way he kind of treats people. I mean, we did quickly touch on it, though. Like, him signing half a dozen people with free agency last year, there was, like I said, there was at least two, bad way to one, but there was at least two that signed for three or four-year deals, and then they was released. It was just mm. a bit, that did that did, did confuse me. He's very quick to fire the trigger when it comes to getting rid of coaches and stuff. So that I could definitely understand that. And uh, yeah, I mean, if that's all absolutely spot on true, like you said, I can't say why I would lie about it. Everyone's everyone's got a friend, right, who is always complaining about other people, and then sooner or later you think, actually, are you the problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. maybe what it is. Yeah. And if that's the case, then obviously that makes it makes a lot more sense. Obviously. Oh well, uh, we've got a small matter of some wild card games to cover as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got four days of football coming up. Uh, what we're going to do? We're going to have a whiz through the games, and we're going to see not no sort of competition here. Uh, we're just going to see how we think they're going to they're going to pan out. Who we think is going to progress. Um, First game of the week is Raiders travelling to the Bengals Saturday, 9.30 for us in the UK. Um, I think this is a really, really interesting matchup between... We've talked about the Bengals quite a lot on the show with Peter and last episode we talked about the Raiders, but two teams who've surpassed expectations in, in different ways in that, um, you know, the Bengals... Uh, they started really nicely, started really hot, and they've kind of been been pretty consistent all season. And they've just they've just been a much better team than anybody realised. Whereas the Raiders have kind of overcome other types of adversity off the field, and they've kind of hung on in there. So for me, it's it's hard to write the Raiders off on that on that basis. But um, I am going with I am going with the Bengals uh, as I was making the point last night to some people that I just think they're an exciting team. I like I like the kind of football they play. They've got a young quarterback who likes to stand and deliver. He likes to throw the ball deep. Receivers are excellent to watch. Their pass rush is really really good. They've got a young ambitious coach, so they tick a lot of boxes from a neutral point of view. And I am taking them to win that one. 
yeah, I mean, I feel like the Bengals are becoming the like darlings of uh, of that sort of playoff hope for a team that surprises you this year. Um, it's hard to really go against anything you've said, but I, if there's one that you're feeling more fairly confident about, this is one of those games where uh, if you'd run a poll of about 100 people, 85% would say the Bengals win this. When has that ever gone wrong, Jim? We've heard that before. <laughs> I, I'm fairly confident. Like I, I, you know, that's the thing. The way Joe Burrow has been, he, it's, uh, uh, do you know what? The reason why I say this, and I'm not, uh, maybe I'm being wrongly, I'm not saying the Chargers aren't gutsy at all. But what the thing is, these two teams feel like two gutsy teams. You know, a lot of people were kind of writing off the Bengals in some form, even when they started off. I was like, yeah, but it won't sustain it. Mm. I said they'd win four to six games this year. Like that, and that's just generally because I wasn't sure about the line. And, but it's not that. And I wasn't that sure about the defense. But, for, you know, the signings they've made, it's, it's changed everything. So they're definitely, the, out of the two, they're the better team. For me, they're the better team, both sides of the ball. Um, coaching, you'd have to say, really, as well. So there is absolutely no way I I can say I expect the Raiders to win this. But because of the gutsy element, you just the Raiders were, potentially could hang in there. And both these franchises aren't exactly used to the playoffs over the last sort of decade. So they're kind of both at the same level, which might work out well for the Bengals in that sense. But the Raiders have got nothing to lose. They shouldn't, you know, a lot of people would say, they, well, they won't be here. So they should actually give this their absolute all. And if it's a tight game, I can pack the Raiders for that gutsy element as much as I can the Bengals. So I think the Bengals win this. I, I, I think the spread's about five points. I think that's about right. And I, I personally can't see how the Raiders win this. But what, we said that about the Chargers, and they find ways. So if it's a gutsy, tight game going on late on, the Raiders can nick it. But I think this is the thing. You've got two teams that are just so gutsy. They've got a few good players, but they're so gutsy that I think the, the Bengals will come out on top. So I, I, I agree with what, a lot of what you guys have said. So I'm really looking forward to seeing playoff Joe Burrow. I'm really looking forward to seeing the offence, like you say, Jamar Chase. And the rest of the offense who have been like a bit of a breath of fresh air. I, you know, out of the teams, the seven teams that are in the playoffs for the AFC, the Bengals are probably my favorite team. I don't like the Chiefs, obviously. Not a huge fan of the Patriots. Don't want the Steelers to be in there because they don't deserve it. The Titans, they're a bit boring, aren't they? A bit, a bit black. They're, they're a good team. They're a bit beige, aren't they? You know. And then you've got the Bills. The Bills are fine. But the Bengals are probably like my favorite team that are in this. You know? But... Like you said, you know, we talked a lot last time about the Raiders and the way they've made things close and talk about Daniel Carlson and how many games he's closed out. And the Raiders, you know, they can they can stick around and that's going to make it uncomfortable. As we said, as you just said, James, neither of these teams are really used to it. But the Raiders are battle-hardened a little bit. Now, the Bengals' offense is predicated on big players and throwing it over the top to Jamar Chase. Now, obviously, Gus Bradley, cover three, predicated on stopping the big play. If they can do that, the Raiders can win this. And I'm going to say they will, just to be going against the grain. <coughs> oh, Pete is not going to be happy with you. <laughs> no, but you know, I am really excited to watch the Bengals and they could they could blow out the Raiders and they could say, you know, everyone would be like, yeah, oh, that's brilliant. You know, the Bengals are you know, really going places. And they are, they are, you know, they are in the next couple of years. But the way this season's gone for the Raiders, the, the kind of fuck it mentality they're going to have because they're not supposed to be there, you know, in everyone's eyes, apart from their own probably. So what they've, what they've got to lose, nothing. If they can execute as they should do on defence, they could frustrate Joe Burrow and Jamal Chase and all the rest of them. And they could stick around because they're going to hang around because that's what they do. It's a good point as well because I do feel like when I watch the Bengals, they they, they win games, but they're, it's almost like the old Chiefs where the, the big plays, like Jamal Chase just gets a 60-yard touchdown, 40-yard touchdown. And it feels like those games get out of hand quite quickly. But if you are making them what, take the five, ten yards and play the defense like you should do, that's when it doesn't. I, I'm not as confident about Burrow. It's not that I don't have confidence, but I just you're right that that game plan. I, I personally don't trust the Raiders to execute particularly on defense. They, they've been a bit boomer bust this year. When they, you know, when they do, they have actually stood up quite well. But it's the sort of what it, will they execute it? But if they do, and it gets like you said, they keep in it a bit. I do think Burrow does like to take the deep shot. Understand me, all of us do, but I just feel like if you make him have to play the sensible game, it might just, it might end up being, you might be right, that could be the surprise turnout of the game. The Raiders keep him down to 20 points and nick it, but yeah, should be a good game either way. Yeah, uh, later on that day is obviously the Patriots travelling to Buffalo. Um, this is the two stingiest defences in the league going up against each other, both 
um, around 17 points a game, giving up. And the snow forecast as well, which it, it has to it has to be, yeah. doesn't it? That that fixture this time, yeah, it has to be snowing. Um, I don't know. I struggled on this one, but I'm my gut is is all I can rest on for this because it was it was too hard for me to to work out. My gut was the Bills. Um, I don't have much to qualify it. I just think. They've got like a big play more in them when it's needed. Um, I just think they'll they'll do enough. I think it'll be a really attritional affair again, probably a low scoring one, and a bit of Josh Allen magical make the difference. Wasn't the the first game between these teams in the snow as well? Mm. And the Patriots came out on top. So if there is snow, it's a real leveler, isn't it? I think. I was going to say to you, I don't feel like the Bills have performed that well in the in the really cold sort of weather. They've had a couple of snow games, and I think they've really struggled on offense on one of the games. Maybe it was that game, but it's like you you're where you are, you're going to get that a lot. So if that's the mm. case, Josh Allen, like you need to sort it out. Mm. But yeah, that's a great point. But I just, I've just got the Patriots. Right. I mean, the Bills have the Bills have kind of had you know the edge over also that last game they played, and, and they've won the division the last two years. I've lost a little bit of excitement about the offense like Josh Allen's done some things with his legs he's made a few big plays but the, the, the interceptions are starting to creep back in. it's almost like a little bit more of the Josh Allen from two years ago more than yeah. what we saw last year and I just think the pay it's just the Patriots you get this comes like the whole Bill Belichick in the playoffs I mean he's got this opportunity now and he gets an opportunity to not only win a game in the playoffs he gets an opportunity to shove it back to the Bills so this should be a bloody good game that's all I'm going to say I I would have trusted this Bills team maybe earlier in the year, the way it was playing, and then they lost to the Patriots then. I don't really trust the offense now. The defense is back to being fairly fairly good, but I just think they'll play smart football, both sides of the ball, and I don't know if the Bills will. It's just, I don't feel there be much in it, but I just I just can't see past the Patriots. I, I don't know if I want that, but that's what I say. I just think the Patriots win this. So uh, I'm going to kind of cheat here, guys. I'm going to kind of throw a coin in the air and call heads on tails. <laughs> because if it does snow and if the weather is bad, I can only see the Patriots winning. Not because, you know, of any reason to the offences or defences of either team, because Bill Belichick will outcoach anyone. And when it's a real level like that, I just feel like they'll overcome, just like they did, you know, a few weeks ago. If the game is clear, the Bills will win because objectively they're the better team on talent, you know, in talent-wise. Which is kind of strange for me to say that because I'm saying, as you kind of said, James, that Buffalo is where it is. It's going to be snow in January and they're going to be playoff games in January in Buffalo because they're a a good team. But why have you built a team then that's predicated on the pass and not very good at running the ball? And I know Josh Allen can throw a strawberry through the side of a battleship, but like, and if he needs to do that and he can, but at the end of the day, like you're not built for that, especially not beat beat the Patriots like that. You know, in the snow. So, if it snows, that's what I mean. I think it goes either way. But if it's clear and not too bad, then I think the better team will win, and that's the Bills. Interesting. We got after that, James. What have we got after that? So we got we've got the Eagles at Tampa Bay is the next game. Eagles. Uh, don't start this defensive uh, you know, <laughs> cop- copping out nonsense because. Um, I don't know whether you remember, but when you played them early in the season and we talked about that game, I, I was saying how I felt like they kind of missed a trick of it because at that point you were struggling against the pass. You you were very critical of that of that side of your game, rightly so. And I felt like they could have they could have hurt you more in that game. And they just took their foot off the gas a little bit, and I think they, they, you know, they, they kind of let you back in. Um, and I just think you can't count Brady out. One man you can't count out. Talk about how it's a different game at this part of the season. Um, he's just the epitome of that mindset for me. So I think they'll keep you honest again, um, but I, I trust the books to get it done. Playoff Lenny coming big again. Let's hope. Let's hope he's even on the field. Um, oh, I probably went against the grain with my first two going with the Patriots, well, half the Patriots and going with the Raiders. I'm absolutely not going against the grain with this. I think this will be the equivalent of a bye 
to be honest, I think the Bucks will walk all over the Eagles. Just hearing that is just too that's too scary. Literally, like, <laughs> annoyingly, look, like a lot of the Bucks fans have been saying that, and I'm just like, oh, shut up! Like, this is what if if you have that mentality, you can't do it. But I don't know. Now, I think they'll play as harder than they did last time. Uh, because as much as the scoreline was only six points, we was three touchdowns up. It was the typical Justin Field, uh, Justin, Justin, Jalen Hurts fourth quarter. Let's go and throw a hundred yards, get a couple of touchdowns, and make it look good for the fantasy score. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't really paid any attention to the Eagles for the last six weeks because for me they was done, um, and I, I'm still bemused how they're even in the playoffs. And I've already had my rant where I said. This is where the seventh seed is a waste of space because I just, even though they could probably win a game and they maybe they do, when you look at the teams, a lot of the teams are getting in. You're like, how have the Eagles stuck in here? Can't knock them. They've done. They've beaten a lot of bad teams, a bit like the Dolphins. But the poor Dolphins just sat their head coach and they haven't made the playoffs. So there's the Eagles. They've made the playoffs with the same sort of like teams they've beaten. But you know, coming down to this game, I feel fairly confident. It's it's a bit like the Washington game last year. We get to play the same division. I feel like there's a bit more to be offered by the Eagles this year uh, compared to what we played against the, uh, the Washington franchise. But we should be this. We should win this reasonably easily. Uh, don't we get it wrong. The Eagles can record that and then throw it back in my face. But I can't. I'd be lying if I said I think the Eagles are going to win this game. Like, there's just no way they should win this game. Doesn't mean it won't happen. But I generally think we should win. I think the defense. We get so many players back. That's a risk though because. It's all well and good having a back, but they've only had a couple of training sessions and then they've got to be back in the game. So it does depend on that. But the depth we've had and the amount of games a lot of our depth players have had to play because we've had a ton of injuries, they should be ready enough to go into this game and, and get the job done. It'd be nice if we could just get well up. It's just don't stress me out. But I just don't see that. I, I reckon it'll be like a fourth quarter. We might be a score up, but I don't think we're going to run away with it. I personally just don't see it. It's just not how we're built. We, we have like an element of nerve. If we get two scores up, we just sort of go into this like, oh, we're just going to play safe. And the defence isn't good enough at the moment to do that. So I don't think we're going to run away with it, but I do think we win by score. There you go. By, by the time kickoff comes round, you'll be you'll be bullish and you'll be confident, James. The 49ers at Dallas was one the one game of this this group where I thought this could be the one that jumped out at me as a potential um, banana skin. I know we talked about in the last the last episode about the Niners and their credentials, but I, they always seem like a team. We've, we've said in the past, too, they're just hammered with injuries. They always scheme something up. They get their running back 16 will come in and have like a 150-yard game and four touchdowns. you never see him again after that, but... And their, their strength is the running game and the Cowboys aren't particularly great against it. But I, I've i made my bed early season. I tipped the Cowboys as a as a potential Super Bowl winner. So I have to just say, Cowboys will win. That's it. Just because you have all season. Yep. Yeah, like you said about the Colts all year as well. And I know they haven't got Gallup, Gallup's out, but Cedric Wilson has a game every time he comes in as well. So... We'll get it done. For, for me, I'm looking at this game and I just don't see how the 49ers win. And I, I know that sounds outrageous. There's no meaning to it, but I generally keep looking at it. I would like the 49ers to win, by the way. Uh, but I just keep looking at it and I just think, I just don't see how they win. You're right. The, the run defense isn't great. And I don't think the Cowboys defense is particularly great. Um, they have they could, they could have got some playmakers and if they turn up, then they can be good. But you've got a chance to score in this defense. But we know that the offense for the Cowboys can be great. And... The 49ers defence has been hit and miss all year as well. So it's really hard because I do think the 49ers are hot at the moment. And when you look at what they've got, if Jimmy Garoppolo could be kind of that player he was last week and take that fall into the playoffs, given his injury as well, then they have half a chance. But I say that. I say that. But if there's one team, I said to my mate, my mate said, oh, but the Cowboys have been good all year. I said, if there's one team that would probably bottle it in playoffs, it's the Cowboys. And they haven't been here for a couple of years. That's, you know, this is new for that for a couple of years. So... I do think this is a great opportunity for the 49ers, but I, I, deep down, I just don't see it. And that's probably completely wrong. But when I looked at the Rams game, I thought they would win that. I generally thought they would because of the history. This one, I just I just can't get in my head, so I've got to go to Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, I'm really on the fence with this one because I think both teams are 
good. I mean, I, I'm still an advocate of the 49ers. I'm still an advocate of Kyle Shanahan. I kind of mentioned it in the, the previous episode. But when you're kind of on the fence as I am, you kind of revert back to who's got the best quarterback, right? Because that's the most important thing about any game. And Dak yeah. Prescott is miles better than Jimmy Rockwell. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. But I do think it can go either way. I don't think it'll be a particular blowout either way because I think both teams have got massive playmakers on both sides of the ball who can make things happen. So I actually think this will be a really good game. Uh, I think there could be some real explosive moments on offense and defense for both teams. And um, I think it's, yeah, like I say, it's going to come down to who's got the best quarterback, which is Dak Prescott, clearly. So, yeah, the, the Cowboys will take it. In sweep. Uh, I don't think the next one will take very long to discuss. Uh, it's the Steelers at Kansas City Chiefs. Um, beat them a couple of weeks ago pretty comfortably, didn't they? I mean, I don't know, it might be a bit closer given the the spectacle and the, and the fact that it's a playoff game, but it's Chiefs for me. The disrespect to Mike Tomlin. I know. Terrible disrespect. Yeah, I can't add anything else. I, I'm hoping it's closer than the, the spread is, but uh, yeah, I, it's the Chiefs for me. Yeah, I, I can't argue. Like I said, I think I've called in the ghost and the shell of Ben Roethlisberger in the past week. So yeah, it's a shame You know we've, that we've been subjected to that. It would have been miles better if it was a, you know, a Raiders against the Chiefs or a Chargers against the Chiefs. But yeah, maybe it is that seventh. And if the Chargers got the seventh wildcard spot, I won't be saying it's obviously, but the seventh spot this year does seem a bit of a waste, doesn't it? With the Eagles and the Steelers. But I'd love the Steelers to win. I would absolutely Kevin Keegan it if, if they... <laughs> <laughs> really would. Absolutely would. But it's not going to happen. It's absolutely not going to happen. It would be something else, wouldn't it? Um, and then Monday night, early hours Tuesday for us, of course, is... Final wild card game is the Cardinals travelling to the Rams. They've lost, we touched upon it last episode. Cardinals have lost four of their last five games, I think, shipping points all over the place 30 points a game. The Rams have won nine of the last 10 against them. Um, so, they got the Cardinals then, yeah? No, I mean, it's again, it's. For me, it was like I kind of already had my mind made up because I'm, I'm still giving the Rams that chance that we've talked about all season, where it's like they've gone all in, they've brought all these names together, won twelve games, which is pretty good going, even though they haven't been particularly great towards the back end of the season. Um, yeah, I think I think for me they they will do enough, they'll get it done. Yeah, I, I go back to what I said um, last episode, Cardinals new to the playoffs. It's in LA as well, right? So I know it's on uh, miles to travel. Yes. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not like a huge trip or anything like that, but in your own environment, the Rams have been there, they've done it. A lot of the players have been there, done it. Cardinals are new to it. They've obviously beaten them fairly recently as well. Like I said before, it's kind of that bad memory for the Cardinals. Good learning experience for them, but I do think the Rams will, will win relatively comfortably, I would say. You'd have to go completely against the form to another level for the Cardinals to win this, really. Hmm. I mean, the only thing I'll say is the Rams, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Cardinals. And but they haven't, that's the, only, not the two playoff teams that have made it. They have lost to all the other playoff teams they've played. So they've done their bit. They've won games that they, you know, they should have won and they've had a couple of impressive wins. They have fallen short on a couple of the tougher tests. So you've got to bear that in mind. But how can you go against the Rams when they're at home against the Cardinals the way the Cardinals are playing at the moment? It would be a bit of a surprise, I think. Um, I fancy the Rams will win by score. Yeah. Yeah. Overall. It's fairly straightforward. Uh, before we wrap it up, breaking-ish news. It happened a little uh, few minutes ago while we were recording. Joe Judge has also been shit-canned oh. as well, not before time. So rejoice, Giants fans. Have they been listed? Are they listed in? Well, there's only one that listens. It's Rob, so he'll be very happy about it. <laughs> We're not surprised at this, are we? Oh, it's God. just been absolute chaos. I was going to bring it up earlier, but the, the opportunity kind of passed when you were talking about it. But did we both see the play on third down where they ran a QB sneak? <laughs> yeah, what, wasn't like <laughs> why? What are you doing? Why? It's only like the second half as well, like second quarter. Sorry. Like that should have been. He should have been fired just for that. <laughs> but it's been an absolute like circus of absolute chaos the whole year 
He just doesn't know what he's on about in his press conferences. His press conferences are the most bizarre thing since Adam Gates. I don't know. It, it's it, I don't know. It's really really strange that he even got the job in the first place. I mean, he must have been when he got hired. He must have been like pretty high up on Google's search list because absolutely no one outside New England knew who he was. So yeah, I mean, the Giants just need a prop head coach and like just to start again, really. Yeah, I mean, I think the most surprising thing is taking this long. Um, yeah, but but can we trust the Giants to get a head coach? I mean, no. how hard is it? Like Jesus. <laughs> for, for like obviously being in probably the second biggest market in the US, like neither yeah. team can do anything <laughs> right. It's absolutely bizarre because if you can get it right there, then you've got a massive free agency pool. You've got everything you know in the media and everything kind of wanting you to kind of do well, but both teams are an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. It couldn't happen to a nicer place, could it? <laughs> it is crazy, though. It is crazy to think they've gone through a few head coaches now and just got it completely wrong. And Every time, yeah. The Jets have, they might have found it now, but they, they've, they've done the same. I, mean, who I think the Jets are on the up and up, actually, but they've obviously still need to prove it because they've not done it. But the, the Giants are dreadful. Like They're a dreadful team. They've not got any talent whatsoever, pretty much, like Byron, a couple of players. Yeah. We've obviously got, you know, Daniel Jones was booed when he got drafted. It's just an absolutely abysmal place to be. I don't understand, like, how you could get a huge market team like that so wrong. But it seems to come from the owner. Yeah. And obviously, Gettleman obviously retired. And so. Gettleman retired as well. Thank so, start again. Yeah, it might be good for them. Yeah. It's definitely needed. So, hopefully for the Giants, this is the right time for them to start something new. So, you're telling me Joe Judge is available then? Yeah, it sounds like it'd be a perfect fit for Minnesota, I'd say. Chicago, come on down. Oh, God, please imagine. Imagine that. Yeah, probably the Jags. Well, that's uh, that's covered the games. James, what else did you want to talk about, if anything? Oh, it'd be rude not to. You know, we've got, a, we've got to predict a winner. Maybe predict who we think makes the Super Bowl, then who wins out of that. No prep school into this, as you can tell, as we've all got very silent. But, uh... You go then. It's your idea. Oh, brilliant. So I'm trying to work out the seedings now, which doesn't help, does it? Okay, so I'm going to go with. Well, I was going to go with, unfortunately, the Packers from the NFC. Really? I, I literally feel sick as I said that. And I'm going to go with the Chiefs, unfortunately. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Packers win. Oh dear, that's just are you on the wind up? No, that's just how I feel. Lee, do you want to go? Um, yeah, Packers. I would go for the NFC. I think, like you know, you asked me who I thought um, MVP was. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams is you know absolutely unstoppable at the minute by the looks things as well. So, and you know, talking about head coaches, has there been a better head coach higher than Mike Lafleur recently? Because um, you know, he's been absolutely on fire, hasn't he, ever since he's been there. So, yeah, Green Bay are making it from the NFC. AFC, I really don't want to say the Chiefs, but I might have to, which is a bit annoying. <laughs> Someone just beat them, and then I'd have to say that. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll agree with James, unfortunately. And then who wins, though? Oh, the Packers. I can't, I can't, can't <laughs> say the Chiefs. No, I've, I've picked up the Raiders in the last episode. I can't pick up yeah, the Chiefs right. and say they're going to win it. You can't double down. No. Well, now Andy's got the same situation, but luckily he's he's too stubborn. So oh, there's no up. way in hell I would say that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, so no, I, I still, as boring as it is, James, I still think the Bucks are the team to beat on that side of it. Because um, you've got to factor in the referees as well. <laughs> You're not on your own going through these games. Brady's got his squad with him. We are one of the most penalised team, Andy, in the whole NFL. Yeah, that's just to fool everyone. When you get to this part of the season, it changes. Um, so <laughs> I still think you're the team to beat there. I, I just I don't want the Chiefs to get there again because it's no, I don't either. Boring. Um, Bengals would be the fairy tale story, but I, it's not going to happen. I don't think. I, I think. I have a suspicion it'll be against the Bills. I think they've been knocking on the door. I don't think they're the best team in the, in that side by at all, but I just think something tells me they're going to get through. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and you know, I think the Bucks will win it, James. Because I'm, I'm a good friend. I, I really appreciate it, mate. Does that mean if it happens, I you could be smug about it, Andy, yeah? 
No, I, I hope all it means is if it happens, he'll sod off into retirement. <laughs> We'd be to uh, leave us have a little chat about that. We don't think that will happen. Either, what's, why not? What's the point? Because he's still very, very, very good. Because <laughs> he could still win another. He couldn't win play two more. <laughs> well, fair enough. If, if he wins, then he has to go somewhere else and try and do it. The Jets. Anywhere else. Or the Giants now. <laughs> you mean it should just be proposed that we have to just take the NFL just got to say no, we can't have this anymore. You've yeah. got to go and play somewhere else. Yeah. Give something. It's, it's giving, isn't it? Like the Jags. Let's face it. If he could be that good, go to the Jags. Get him to at least the playoffs. Job done. You can retire now. It sounds like the sort of thing that you could do, like on a weird Madden save and put it on YouTube. We'll just put Tom Brady on the Jags. Can I win the Super Bowl? And we'll film it all. <laughs> put him behind that line in Miami and see how. Yeah, that would be a tragic end. He wouldn't survive. I'd say Pum is the head coach at the moment. <laughs> right, that's. I think that's us done. Uh, we shall, yeah, we'll reconvene after the wild card week and see what shakes out. But um, Lee, thank you once again for your valuable insight. Tell tell everybody where they can find you. What else it is you do with your own pod? Yeah, so um, I'm Lee Wakefield. I um, come from the Full 10 Yards, at Full 10 Yards on Twitter. And I usually hang around in the college section of the website and on the Twitter as well. So at Full 10 Yards CFB. You can hear me talking about uh, college football, um, some some NFL as well. But um, yeah, obviously we've got um, lots of stuff going on over at Full 10 Yards, NFL, betting, college. Um, do a little bit of fantasy as well every now and then. Um, obviously, we've got the full team draft guide that will be coming out again this year. Uh, you know, hard at work behind the scenes with that. Um, just keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, but yeah, no, come over, come and give us a follow. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, lads. No. It's been great to talk about the NFL, barring the Chargers game. <laughs> it's a pleasure, mate. It's always worth getting you on. So thanks again for your time. And yeah, James, we'll speak very soon. Enjoy the yeah. rest of your week, fellas. You too, mate. And uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend. Yeah, Go Bucks. Speak to you soon, lads. Cheers. See you, chaps. Ciao.